Radio Mano Papachango. people i'm coming to you from los angeles california um headed north again in the van as soon as i finish this recording so hope things are going well for you out there uh things are interesting on my end um yeah all sorts of stuff's going on i uh, thought i was going to mexico but decided um to go hang with our friends some more um, she had some other people coming around to sort of hang with her and, and, um, <clears throat> so any, uh, whatever, it's not worth getting into the details of that, but, um, we're going to go up North again. So if you're in Northern California, up around Santa Rosa, uh, Sonoma, Napa, up in that area, drop me a line. Maybe we'll get a beer, maybe do a meetup or something. A uh, couple things I want to mention to you before I get into this fantastic episode. Uh, I should tell you right away, the episode is with a young woman who rode her motorcycle from Poland to Thailand, and that's just the beginning. Her name is Zofia. I met her in uh, Phuket, and uh, she's a fantastic person, really interesting. She makes me think of... You know that phenomenon where you uh, you get in your car and you're driving down the road and then you're messing with the Bluetooth or you're trying to tune in the radio or, God, heaven forbid, you're texting with someone or whatever. You're you're distracted by something. You're doing something. You're cruising. You're you know red lights, left turns, right turns. Blah, blah, blah. All this stuff's happening, and you get where you're going. And then you, sometimes you realize, like, I wasn't even aware of what I was doing for the last 10 miles, right? I was, I was doing something else. I was, I was absorbed with this news story, or I was messing around with the controls on this device over here. But meanwhile, I kept driving. I didn't crash. I didn't kill anybody. I didn't kill myself. I got through it all, but I wasn't really aware of what I was doing. I think so many of us live our lives this way. We get there. We get to our destination, which is what? Death, I guess, right? That's that's the destination of this trip that we're all on. And we get there and we miss so much of the journey because we're paying attention to something else. I think it was John Lennon who said, life is what happens when you're doing other things. Well, Sophia is someone who is really paying attention. She is focused on the journey. She's aware. She's not messing around with something else. She's looking at the road ahead of her and under her and behind her and all around her. And at least at this moment in her life, and it sounds like it's been this way for quite a while, and, and she seems like someone who's going to keep taking the same approach um she's focused on what's happening and you know that's the inspiration that's 
I guess if I had to find uh, a thread that ties together the guests that I've had on this podcast, that's probably what it is. People always ask me, how do you choose who to have on the podcast? I, I don't know. I don't know. I just meet people and think, I want to introduce you to my audience. And it's not it's not just like, oh, you've done this amazing thing. You walk the Appalachian Trail. You've, you know... Whatever you know, whatever it is, you were in prison, you robbed a bank, you you fuck around with rattlesnakes. Like those are all interesting things, right? But that's not actually what it is that makes me want to have someone on the podcast. What it is that makes me want to introduce them to you is that they are focused on their lives, that they're not sleepwalking. So it almost doesn't matter. Is it riding a motorcycle across the biggest continent on the planet, or is it? consciously being in prison for 27 years for a crime you didn't commit or is it living in a little trailer in the desert because you're fascinated by rattlesnakes whatever it is you're they're doing it with consciousness and focus and attention and they're living their lives they're aware and I think that's what we all aspire to be, uh, what we're all trying to be. We're all trying to wake up. We're all trying to stay awake. Um, even though dreams are sometimes so seductive. And uh, it would be so comfortable to just snooze through this thing. Because being awake can be so excruciating. And it feels like I just turned 58 uh, a week or two ago. And uh, so I'm def definitely approaching elder status pretty rapidly here. And man, there were problems when I was a kid. You know, people were worried the Soviet Union was going to nuke us and we were going to nuke them and the world was going to be destroyed by nuclear bombs. Uh, Vietnam was raging when I was born people were terrified uh you know and then uh there was the scourge of disco that was horrible uh so bad things happened in the past but i have to say that we are in a uniquely uh frightening situation right now it's not you know, like, I'm not worried that climate change is going to fuck up the world. I'm not worried about that. Climate change is going to fuck up the world. You see, it's it's different from the Soviet thing. I was worried that the Soviets might nuke the U.S. Uh, I'm not worried that climate change might destroy large parts of the planet and many, many hundreds of millions of people's lives. That is going to happen. That's not might happen. It's already happening. That's weird. That's really weird. It's strange to be living through this. You know, I'm not worried that Donald Trump might undermine the fundamental institutions of democracy in the United States. Donald Trump has. He is right now. It's happening. 
the fundamental institutions of the United States that have underpinned this country for over 200 years are eroding as quickly as a fucking beachhead in Bangladesh right now. It not It's not whether it might happen or not. It is happening. Who knows what's going on with this coronavirus? As I speak, that seems to be, uh, you know, escaping containment all over the place. And depending what you read, um, uh, fatality rate of two to four percent sounds low, but that's fucking high when you think virtually, practically everyone's going to get this thing. Two to four percent is a lot of people. <clears throat> and apparently it's not just the old and the infirm and, and babies and people with compromised immune systems. From what I that's what I first was reading, but recently um, the latest report seemed to suggest that that's not really the case, that it's not just limited to those people. Not that they're, uh, you know, disposable, <laughs> not that not that it's no big deal if it's just, you know, old and sick and babies. Uh, that's pretty fucking bad in itself. But what I'm saying is it seems like there might not be a good way to avoid this. Stock market's tanking. Not that I give a shit about that. My point is that if you're worried, if you're anxious, if you're tempted to uh, go to sleep, I get it. Because being awake is scary as fuck. But the beautiful thing about being awake is you have some control over what you do and how you respond to these things. And the best way to respond to these things is with love and cooperation because that's what makes human beings human beings that's what we do better than any other species is we take care of each other in ways that no offense to dolphins or chimpanzees or ants or any other species but we can take care of each other we can experience compassion in a way that i don't think any other species can begin to appreciate they swim better than us. They climb better than us. They're faster. They're stronger. They're quicker. They're, they're more ferocious. They've got us beat in just about every category except love, compassion, cooperation. So when you get scared, when shit looks bad, reach out to the people around you that you love and make sure they know it because that's your strength. Those are the people who are going to save you and that you're going to save. That's the only way we're going to get through this. All this shit that I've been talking about, all the shit that's hitting the fan right now, this is opportunity. I read something the other day. Somebody said it's like, it's like all the cards on the table occasionally get thrown up in the air. And it's a whole new game. And if we wait, if we delay, if we're sleepwalking through this thing, then the rich and powerful are going to grab all those cards again. And we're going to be left with whatever falls off the table as usual. But when this happens, when the shit hits the fan, when fundamental institutions are shaken to their core, 
when rebuilding has to be done because there's been a fucking earthquake or a tsunami or political collapse, revolution, economic collapse. When this shit happens and we need to rebuild, that's when we can choose how to rebuild, where to rebuild, how to do this better. Because the thing is, you know, I did an interview recently and, and the interviewer said, like, how how can we put the ideas of civilized to death into effect in the modern world? And yeah, there are ways to do it. Like what I just said, reach out to the people you love, take care of them. You know, if if you have some extra cash and you know someone who needs it, fucking take care of them. The best place for extra food is in your friend's stomach. The best place for extra money is in your friends paying your friends bills. Take care of each other. Let that shit flow around. You know, it's like these uh, these preppers who think they can like store up all their fucking canned beans and rifles and sh- shotguns and that's going to protect them when the end comes. That's not going to protect them. The only thing that's going to protect you is having a whole bunch of people around you who have your back. And in order to have that, you better have their backs. That's all we have, but it's a lot. So what I said to this this person, uh, I think it was Gabor Mate, actually, who is interviewing me for a book he's working on. And I said to him, like, honestly, you know, there are minor ways, there are personal ways that we can bring these principles into our lives. But on a fundamental institutional level, we need to wait for collapse. That's when That's when we can make these changes, when the shit really goes bad. And for better or worse, it kind of feels like that's happening right now. We're watching it happen. I don't want to get explicitly too political and and rant and rave about this, but I feel like the Bernie Sanders campaign is the last chance to have this kind of revolution without bloodshed, without total economic environmental and and moral collapse and the only way even that's going to work is as bernie says if there's a massive revolutionary turnout if people are in the streets demanding these changes demanding that mitch mcconnell and the the republicans and the the Democrats who are actually Republicans and the Susan Collinses who pretend they're on the, you know, they're moderates. Fuck those people. Joe Manchin in West Virginia calls himself a Democrat, but voted against everything Obama tried to do. Votes with the That's not a fucking Democrat. Most Democrats aren't Democrats. They're Republican light. They're as big a part of the problem or more than the actual Republicans who at least admit what that they're working for the corporations half the democrats in the senate and the house are working for the corporations as well they're not, they don't give a fuck about us they don't give a fuck about minimum wage or health care anyway my point is that the only thing that's gonna keep this ship from sinking at this point i believe is a massive uprising in the united states that somehow overcomes the DNC that's going to try to steal the nomination from Bernie, even though he has the most delegates, 
the Republicans, the it's the whole corrupted system, the Russians fucking with things. It, it's going to require like sixty to seventy percent of the human beings of voting age who live in the U.S. are going to have to just go nuts and say, you know what, that old Jew's right. We all deserve health care. We live in the richest country in the world. How the fuck? Do we not have health care? And all these people are saying, oh, people don't want you to take away. They like their private insurance. Who the fuck likes their private insurance? I haven't met anyone who likes their, like, I really love my prudential program. My plan is excellent. It's an excellent value. Nobody. I've never heard anybody say that. You know what? I just love the folks down at Blue Cross and Blue Shield no, you like your doctor, you like the nurse, you like the people who saved your fucking life when you're in a car accident. Sure. Sure. We like them. And you know, you know who they don't like? They don't like the fucking insurance companies that force doctors to spend most of their day filling out paperwork rather than working with patients. Yeah, I'm getting super political here. Anyway. Anywho, uh things I want to tell you about. I am going to be speaking at a thing called Meet Delic uh, in Los Angeles in early May. Let me find the exact dates here. Uh, yeah, Meet Delic. It's going to be fantastic. Duncan Trussell is going to be there. Rick Doblin, the, um, the founder of Maps, is going to be there. Uh, that dude, I forget his name, this dude who does um, these parody videos of like a, a woke yoga teacher uh, he's going to be there. He's really funny. Oh, shit, I can't remember his name. He's great. You, half of you know who I'm talking about, and half of you don't give a shit. Um, anyway, J.P. Sears. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, Dave Asprey is going to be there. Rick Doblin, uh, Duncan Trussell, uh, Dr. Carl Hart, who I've had on this podcast. Fantastic dude. He's going to be there. Um, so anyway, there are going to be a lot of really interesting folks there. It's... Uh, May 2nd and 3rd. And uh, if you want to buy tickets, you can go to my website and there's an events page uh, where there's a discount code. Um, let me see here. Let me just pull this up for you. Yeah, you go to chrisryanphd.com. There's events. Just click on the events thing. And then right at the top, it says buy tickets. Use code chrisryan14 for 15% off. All right. And there's it's at a dome. I, I think um, they're going to be showing these, you know, funky dome videos and stuff. I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, that's Meet, De Meet Delic. And uh, I hope to see you there. That's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Uh, I went to see Carsey Blanton last night in L.A. You know who she is. She sings Smoke Alarm that I play at the end of this podcast. And... I got to say, Carsey is, and, and yeah, I guess you've heard me say this before, but Carsey is, like, I was watching her on stage and I thought, she's like a star on the horizon. She is, you can still see her in very small clubs, um, but not for long. If the world, if there's any fucking justice in the world, um... Carsey Blanton's going to be very famous very soon. Um, but she's not yet. So this is when you get to go see her. She is such a good songwriter and so good on stage. She has this just 
fucking blaring charisma. She's traveling with her band right now. They're really tight. The music's great. It's she's funny. She's just the energy in the room is fantastic. She has this uh take no prisoners, don't give a single fuck kind of approach to the truth. And um her dignity is inspiring and beautiful and incandescent. So I really hope if you hear me and you like music and you like people and you want to meet people like you, like me, like Carsey, go see her. She's playing tonight in Santa Cruz. I'm going to try to get this up today. Um, but anyway, this is uh, Thursday, February 27th. She's playing in Santa Cruz. She'll be in Albany, California Friday. Then she's headed up to Portland, Oregon, um, Mississippi Studios on March 1st. Then takes a little break, and she'll be in Washington, D.C., March 20th, Philadelphia, Exeter, New Hampshire, Berwyn, Illinois, Appleton, Wisconsin in May. So check her out, carcyblanton.com. Tour dates are up there. I mean, I paid 14 bucks or something for the tickets. They're cheap, uh, and this is the moment. You know, if you're one of those people who wish you had seen, like I, w- I lived in New York when in the 80s when Talking Heads were playing small clubs, and fuck, I wish I'd seen them, you know, like that was the time. And this is the time to see Carsey. So if you're into that, if you're into music, uh, definitely go see her. I'm going to play a song of hers that I heard last night for the first time uh, that sort of relates to some of the things that I've been ranting about here for the last few minutes. It's called American Kid. I'm going to play you out with that. And then, uh, of course, I'll just play Smoke Alarm at the end, as usual. And in the meantime, I really hope you enjoy this conversation uh, with Sophia. She's fantastic. I really enjoyed talking with her and getting to know her. Um, Yeah. And I hope everything's going well for you out there, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Stay awake. It's worth it. We need you. Bye. Stole this nation fair and square 
Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sitting in tourism hell, which is Phuket. What's uh, Patong Beach? Is the most? It's a terrible, terrible place. Yeah. But I'm with Zofia. Uh, wait, say your last name. Radikovska. Radikovska. Yes. Does that have anything to do with radical? No. No. No, no root. No, no shared it's root. It's like it has to do with advising. Ah, really? Yeah. So you're like a therapist? Is that your therapy name? <laughs> your family? No, 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 no. It's just random surname <laughs> I happen to get. <laughs> yeah, happen to have a random surname. So you're from Poland. Yeah. And we, how did we get in touch? Somebody recommended that we yeah, should so know each other. Yeah, so I've read your book and I really liked it. And it was Which recommended one, to me. Yes. Ah, okay. Yes. It was recommended to me by my date, actually. Ah. And I'm still with uh, touch with uh, Boyan, who for sure are going to listen to this. So. <laughs> Shout out to Boyan. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, so uh, so he just told me like, hey, Chris Ryan is uh, in Thailand. You must go on his podcast. And I'm like, uh, does he has podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about it. Neither one of us really listens to many podcasts. Yeah, we'll keep it fresh. So uh, now Boyan is uh, Polish as well. So you no, no, he's Bulgarian. Bulgarian. Oh, Bulgarian, okay. but he, I guess has also U.S. citizenship, uh, and yeah, I've met him in Bulgaria, actually. All right. So you're riding a motorcycle from Poland to here? Yes, and it was... God damn. Uh, actually, I started to travel on bicycle. Uh, for one year, I was cycling in Latin America. Hmm. But then I got tired because, you know, cycling is bicycle. hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, uh, I was also uh, doing a lot of cycling trips earlier. Uh -huh. And um, yeah, it's, uh, uh, but you, when you go for three weeks, you are super lightweight. And when you go for 
fuck knows how, how long, you know, then, then you take lots of stuff and then it becomes difficult. And yeah, after one year I was like, you know, I'm struggling a lot and I stopped to have fun. Mm. And well, this was in Latin America? Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, and yeah, I have a bit of kind of achievement personality. So it was kind yeah. of difficult for me to say like, okay, okay, stop here. You know, you don't have to prove anything. You are mm. doing this for fun. Um, and yeah, I said like, okay, I want to switch to motorbike. The problem is that never I never drove even scooter before, mm. so I had to fly back to Poland, make a driving license, buy a motorbike, and then start uh, the trip again. And then I drove first to Spain, where I uh, met my trainer, who 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 prepared me to driving more off road, because I knew that I will be going a lot of on dirt roads and stuff. And then I spent few months there, and then I drove, <coughs> I drove uh, through Europe, and then Turkey, Iran, uh, Pakistan, India, Myanmar, Thailand. Holy shit! Yes. And this your trainer, you said. So this is someone who. Yeah. So 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 the the guy is just training people to to get better on uh, motorcycling. So. Uh -huh. Uh, I get in touch with him just after my driving license. I did a training on the light bike, yeah. like enduro training. Right. And But I wanted to do this again on the big bike. And he moved to Spain and it was getting winter time in Poland because it was in October when I started. So I was like, okay, it's perfect if I go to Spain and I will learn to drive mm. on my big heavy motorbike. What bike do you have? Uh, BMW F800 GS. Oh, so yeah. it's like 340 kilos. Right. Without 200, anything. 200, 240 240 kilos, kilos without... Uh, without the baggage. And then the baggage, yeah. I think it's together everything with full tank, maybe 270 with all the shit I have. Yeah. Wow. I had a, a guy, Ricardo Serpa, was on this podcast. Similar guy, a Brazilian dude, rides motorcycles all over the world. I think his was a BMW, like, 1200. Yeah, it's, it's even monster. bigger. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it's, it's a you, bit... Can you lift it if it uh, Yeah, if it this, is, this is the problem. So it depends where it falls. So right. when it falls on hard ground and flat then I can lift it but if it falls on um, a mud or mm. uh, or down the slope right then it's too heavy and yeah I, I got stuck on the salt lake in Iran you know it got uh, it fell in uh, in deep mud and it was really slippery there you know I uh. spent three hours fighting with it and there was no way I could lift it so yeah. it was kind of so you have to wait for someone to come yeah I uh, in uh, f first I started to bring some stones and stuff to build some you know traction under my shoes when I uh, and but I was almost out of water you know there was mm. nobody and I saw some uh, some um, buildings somewhere there, so I just 
left my bike and went there and very soon uh, I saw uh, I saw a car passing so I started to run there and like help help you know <laughs> uh, and the funny thing that the guy who went out from there was like Hercule you know he was so huge you know and he just lifted like it would be a bicycle really? you know I wanted to show him the technique and he just lifted like this uh, and then they you know Iranians they are super nice you know they took me to my uh, to their home because I was mm. all insulted the, the mm. guy washed my motorbike they didn't let me do this you know right. the guy washed my motorbike they give me gave me food even it was Ramadan so they couldn't eat but they gave me food oh, wow. uh, let me take shower you know and yeah. they also offered so I could stay there it was really really nice then they put me in all these traditional dresses so I could have nice photos really really <laughs> crazy you know so Iranians yeah. are really cool so many times the thing that seems like bad luck in the end is good luck yeah, yeah. like all the best st- the bigger fuck up you get into during travel in the end it's usually the best story you yeah. have you know yeah. you can never judge until yeah. Five years later, maybe you don't know until then whether it was good or not. Oh, I usually yeah. when I'm stay alive, you know, it's yeah. usually <laughs> it's good. good. It's good. I'm not <laughs> dead. It was good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, so you said earlier that you're you have like a a personality for like accomplishments and things. Yeah. Why, why is that? Is your is your family like this? Or? Um, no, I mean, like, for sure, in my family, we, like, value, like, value achievements, and I don't know, my family was always very proud of me when I was doing mm. good on studies and stuff like this, and, uh, but... Yeah, I just don't like to give up, you know, so I don't know when I was doing a lot of sports and stuff like this, to fail on I'm mean, like I would always consider if I can do something it's like a failure and set up mm. like this so it kind of took me some time to learn and I'm still in process to, to say like hey you know you do this for yourself don't torture yourself you know yeah so yeah do you do it for yourself? Are you sponsored or anything? No, I have no sponsors. So, so it's I, not a professional uh, thing. No, no, no. I just do this for myself. I uh, I don't even want to have sponsors just for this reason that I, in any moment when I want stop to have fun from traveling, I want to say like, okay, I, I want to have roots somewhere, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I work remotely three days a week. What do you do? Uh, I'm a web analyst, so I analyze traffic on websites and write some scripts that mm. track users' activity. Mm. So it's like it can be done fully online, and I have amazing remote-friendly company in Germany. And yeah, so I, I'm very lucky about the lifestyle I have. You know, I can... Yeah leave where I want no matter where you just it is need on, the yeah. internet connection yeah. yeah what about when you were like traveling across Iran Afghanistan like I don't think you get a lot uh, of Wi-Fi in Afga- right? Afghanistan I, I haven't been to Afghanistan oh, okay. I think it's not a place to so, be so at the tell, moment. tell me the route again you start from Spain so uh, from I uh, after Spain I took ferry to Italy and from Italy to Albania 
and then from Albania, Macedonia, Bulgaria, Turkey. Uh-huh. And then from Turkey, I went to Georgia and uh-huh. back to Turkey, Iran, Pakistan, uh, India, um, Myanmar. So Iran to Pakistan. Yes. So that's down, I guess. South. It's like all the all down through Asia. Down yeah, the Asia. lower part. Yeah, yeah. South. Yeah, I've my friend Viram, who I'm I was visiting uh-huh. just last week in Kopayam. He took a motorcycle from Italy to across Turkey, similar route uh-huh. to, uh, to Tbilisi uh-huh. and Georgia. He really liked Georgia. Yeah, Georgia is really nice. Yeah. Georgia th- is really nice. I think I might go there in March. I was talking with him. Maybe go to Tbilisi and then go over through northern Turkey to Istanbul. Did yeah. you like Turkey? Yeah, Turkey is really cool. Yeah. It's like, I'm like, for me... Uh, for me, the travel actually started when I entered Albania because, like, I think Western Europe is kind of civilized yeah. uh, and uh, like everything looks the same. And right. then, and then when you go farther east, uh, you might experience different stuff. And also, people have different approach to you. And right. this is all nice. In Georgia, the uh, the funny thing is that, um, so they also used to be a communist country like Poland. So for me, it's funny because when I went there, it felt like Poland years back. Mm. But also it's kind of funny when you travel to really different cultures and you see like a poverty or like folklore, it feels colorful Mm. and because uh, uh, this folklore there is surrounded by this old communist shit around and it feels like poor parts of Poland I was like okay this is actually in in certain areas it's kind of depressing for me because for me it's not exotic you know so it's funny how we judge the the this poverty or uh, or uh uh, like simple people um, or countryside, how it feels if it's similar to your country or yeah. really, really far, you know? I had a similar experience. Uh, the first time I came to Asia, uh, I was like two years in Asia. And then I flew to Greece and I had never been in Europe before. Mm-hmm. And... I remember landing in Athens, which is very different from America, right? But to me, it felt similar. To me, going to Greece felt like going home. Yes. Because the buildings, everything was square. Everything, (laughs) you know, it's like, well, this is sort of like where I come from. Yeah. And it's so different. Yeah. But compared to India or Nepal or, you know, Malaysia or whatever, it's like, no, yeah, so I, I know what you mean. It's like things can seem familiar, even though they're very different. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's interesting. I, I feel that way in Latin America, too. I, I feel like traveling in Latin America somehow, for me, doesn't feel as far away as Asia. Even though, even if yeah. I'm in some remote place in, you know, Peru or something that's very different from yeah. from my own world, but it just doesn't feel as different as Asia. But I think also it's about the culture and about the people. So I'm like, um, 
I find Latin American people really open, outgoing. Mm. I mean, like maybe Peru, Bolivia, it's a bit different, uh, especially Bolivia. But uh, beside that, people are like, you just go along with them very easily, especially mm. if you speak some Spanish. They are your friends from, from the second minute you know them, yeah. you know. And here people are different, you know, they are smiling, but they are distant, you know, yeah, I don't true. make Thai friends here. Mm. So for me, this is kind of strange as well that I don't get this that much contact with uh, yeah. with locals. Yeah, it's true. Even in India, where many people speak English, it's still so distant culturally. Yes. Yeah. So you're you don't remember communism, right? You were born no, after. No, no, I was I was born after. Um, so um, yeah, I just I'm mean, like I was born two years before the the the, the conversion, but of course what, I don't was remember. it eighty nine? Eighty nine, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was in Berlin about two months before it happened. I was in East Berlin and took a train to Prague. When it was all still communist, and then like three months later, it all everything exploded. Yeah, it was crazy. I'm a bit jealous. I'm like a bit sad that uh, I haven't got to see it. You know, I was so close to remember it. You mm. know, it was three years more than I would remember some parts. Uh, yeah, but it's funny because I remember uh, what I remember is how how my country developed. You know, you know. Yeah. I, I uh, for example, now going to Ukraine, it really feels like Poland mm. uh, uh, many years back, uh, and uh, so it's funny to see this change. You know, um, I think that in uh, more Western Europe, you don't you don't get to see it because it was not like they rebuilt all the. Um, all the cities and yeah. stuff. So. Yeah. But it, did you feel when you were in school, did you know you wanted to travel or were you thinking you were going to do something else? It started, uh, I mean, like, I remember um, during my studies, I, of course, wanted to travel, but I had this uh, I, uh, this idea that only really rich people can travel and uh, yeah and uh, or unless you are have some sponsors and you know how to sell yourself there's no chance that uh, I can just start to travel like that you know I, I'm I'm from like middle class family so not crazy wealthy not crazy poor um and uh, yeah, I, I of course I wanted to travel, and uh, it was not in my head that I can do this. And then I remember I started to do couch surfing, and m the first couch surfer that uh, visited my house um, was really amazing globetrotter. He was <laughs> every fucking where, you know, uh, and he had this lifestyle for really many years that he would uh, earn in uh, really developed countries and then travel on very, very, very low budget right. uh, for uh, two, three years and then start all over again. Yeah. Um, 
so this first time I've learned like, okay, that's actually possible if you hitchhike and then you don't spend money on accommodation, then you just have to spend money on food. Yeah. And this is not that much money, you right. know? Um, so, uh, yeah, I've actually this changed my life quite a lot because after my studies, I was pretty sure that I'm going to do PhD in neuroscience. I was very passionate about that. Mm. And, uh, but I thought like, okay, if I do PhD, then maybe I will, uh, I will be stuck for four years mm. in one place. Maybe I make some kids and then, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Done. You're, you're I are done, you know. <laughs> so it's like, okay, let's prevent it. <laughs> so um, before, why, sorry to interrupt, but why why neuroscience? Uh, so I, I I studied psychology with specialization in neuroscience, and it was crazy fascinating. You know, mm. it's like this is uh, still um, part of science where. There is so much to discover, yeah, you know, yeah. and this was uh, really, um, really satisfying that you feel like you create the knowledge, you know. This was um, uh, I really mm. loved to work uh, in this. So it's almost like it's undis uh, unexplored. I'm like, it's, a science it's really very... a lot done, but there are still big puzzles oh, missing. So much. And yeah. uh, and it's just so fascinating. And and you you learn also about yourself, about mm. like like with psychology. But you have really it's hard science, you know. Yeah. So this is this is this was really amazing, you know. But then I went for uh, I decided that uh, I was actually doing uh, at the end of my studies. Uh, it was pretty hard time. I was doing also a scientific project uh, on brain computer interfaces. And I was um, sorry, it's difficult to focus on. <laughs> Sorry, uh, yeah, I just I had to turn up the air conditioning. <laughs> it's getting hot in here, right? Oh, it's fine for me. For you? Maybe I'm just in the corner. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, I was uh, doing pretty hard uh, work because I had this project on brain-computer interfaces and then I was writing my master thesis about visual system and then I was working uh, in online marketing to make some money. Um, and... Uh, yeah, and I decided like, okay, now it's this very intense time, and when I'm done with this project and master thesis that finish in the same time, I will just go to for my first long term trip. Mm. Uh, was that the Latin America bicycle trip? Uh, it was no, it was uh, it was a hitchhiking trip. That time I was not I was not doing any physical activity actually. <laughs> I was happy lazy girl. Uh, <laughs> happy lazy girl. Uh, yeah, so I was hitchhi hitchhiking in Brazil, and then I came back. And before I, actually, before I left, I met a guy who uh, who was a guy who was making cycling trips. And I came back to him, uh, and we started to organize these cycling trips. A Brazilian guy? No, Polish. A Polish guy. Yeah, yeah. I, so I've met him before leaving. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, this I is gotcha. like uh, in my my life changed 
quite few times. Uh-huh. You know? So then for How two years. How old are you? Uh, 32. 32. Okay. Wow. You pack a lot <laughs> in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you, okay, your first big trip was you fly to Brazil and you're hitchhiking. Yes. And how old were you then? Uh, 24 or 5. 24 or 5. And you finished your master's thesis? Yes. I finished and then I started this. And then you started the traveling. Yeah. And then I uh, started organizing these cycling trips. And this was like really cool because... uh, um, First of all, I, I started to like love mountains, love physical activity and stuff like this. Oh, you weren't an athlete before? Uh, not at all, as I told you. So uh, it's just like I've met the guy. So you were a happy, lazy girl before. A happy, lazy girl. Uh-huh. Met the guy. And then I started to, I had to start to organize these cycling trips. So I had to start to cycle 100 kilometers a day. Ah, uh, you so did had, it for love. Ah, uh, But also, you know, for very cool <laughs> lifestyle, you know. This is like organizing these kind of trips uh-huh. to, to, to these all amazing destinations was yeah. really cool. But still it was like, you know, you do this with uh, people who have two, three weeks off, you know, so you have to pack it uh, and mm. uh, there has to be a program, the, the route and stuff like this. Right. And then I split up with Guy, mm-hmm. and I had to make some money, and then I started uh, the cycling trip by myself. Ah, so you were guiding the trip. So earlier I was guiding the trip, right. and when uh, when I uh, I made uh, when I split up with him, I started to earn money on online marketing, and when I gathered ah, enough okay. money, right. I I went to Latin America right. on my uh, on bicycle and yeah. I uh, from the very beginning I was working remotely I, it was really nice because I just went to my boss and say like hey so you know I uh, I, I'm going to Latin America, and if you know, if you want, we can still work together, but just three days a week and remotely. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> And the guy agreed. Really? So, yeah. <laughs> so it was cool. And then then uh, I received even better offer from Germany, mm. uh, from from the company that I work for now. So Sweet. Really nice. What was your plan if he said no? I, I had enough money for one year. Ah, so okay. this is, uh, I was like, for one year on pretty tight budget, but still possible. So I was like, okay, uh like if i would go there and ask him he would say no so i said like i just informed him that i'm leaving and give him <laughs> possibility of right. continuing working with me you know right, right. so he was a bit shocked but he said like okay let me think <laughs> and yeah he said yeah said, yeah. yeah yeah i think so many jobs they're paying you for time but I, I hate those jobs. I, I always want a job where they're paying me for the the accomplishment. Like, you want this to be done, mm-hmm. I'll do it, and you pay me. Don't yeah. ask me how long it takes. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't matter. Yeah, because also it depends on your level of, uh, of on your experience, you right? know. The, and your the new focus. Be- yeah. And, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I, get, I get paid for the time. Mm. Um, but for me, it's um, it actually suits me very well now because uh, uh, it motivates me to actually do something. <laughs> you 
because if I know that I have mm. to stay these three days a week yeah. uh, in this time, uh, I have to find a hotel or I have to uh, find a restaurant or a place where I can sit and work, right. then I do this. Right. And if you tell me like, okay, for one month, please make this project, uh, do make this project done, then I would, you know, just drive mm. around, dive and do all the shit and not work. Yeah, so it works well for me. Yeah, that's true. I understand that. So a lot of people listening to this are saying, wait a minute, a young woman traveling alone. I'm not traveling. I don't travel alone. I uh, forgot to mention it. Uh, I, I wrote to this to you earlier. In Iran, I met a guy. So I started alone. And in Iran, I met a guy. Mm. Uh, he's Austrian. Uh, and yeah, Roman has a van. He has Mercedes Sprinter. Mm -hmm. And uh, What year? Oh, come on. I, I, I have a sprinter. We, I know, I know. Uh, he has a shorter version, short, short, short version. Uh -huh. and but yeah. it's high? You can stand uh, up inside? Yes. Almost, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. you can totally stand up yeah. and it's really nice. So actually my, my travel changed a lot since then because right. I have this uh, hotel on the wheels, you know. So you're cruising on the motorcycle, he's in the van? And then yes. at night you camp together? Uh, yes. So sometimes Perfect. we split when when uh, I want to go somewhere else on some more rough road or something like this. Uh, but most of the time we drive separately and then we meet somewhere. I think. Mm. That's nice. That's a perfect relationship ah, right yes. there. Yes. Also, <laughs> we are not so tired of each other. Exactly. Because, yeah. Exactly. Uh, but you have the comfort. That's nice. Yeah. So your trip in Latin America, though, were you alone on that trip? Yes. Right. Yes. So what uh, the people who are thinking this is crazy, you're going to you know, be robbed and attacked. And did you have problems? Did you feel vulnerable? Um, yeah, I had some situations with guys. You know, this is uh, I, uh, I've been harassed a few times. Um, I was never raped, uh, and uh, and I've been in situations when I had my pepper gas in my hand, screaming mm. on the guy, oh, yeah. and um, yeah. So so basically, it happened to me like once when it was so bad, and many times so smaller situations when the guy just touched me somewhere without being asked or after I said clearly no. Um, so I think there are like two big myths about traveling. Mm. One myth s says like, this is so dangerous. They're going to kidnap you. They're going to rape you. They're going to rob you. Uh, Latin America is not safe. Uh, uh, Middle East is not safe. Don't go here. Don't go there. I. I think it's bullshit because I believe in all the countries, most of the people are good, you know, I, or, or they are, they are just normal, you know, they do their shit, but they don't want to hurt people, you know, yeah. but the other myth says, uh, no worries, people are good everywhere. If you smile and you have open heart, nothing bad will happen. So uh, I think I got from very 
sometimes uh, difficult situations, just being smiley and cheerful and stuff like this. But there are bad people in every country as well. And I'm not saying that uh, that in uh, uh, one country there will be more than in another. There are just some, and there are some in uh, both in Spain, France, Germany, and in Guatemala and Iran, where where I had these problems. In Guatemala, there was one guy. You know, I spent there four months, uh, and yeah. Also, I'm happy to switch on the motorbike because I'm actually much less vulnerable uh, because I'm the fastest person on the road if I want, you know. Uh, you don't see that I'm women, you know. So when I had this situation in Guatemala when the guy, uh, the guy just, uh, it was that way that, that I wanted to um, I went through very rough road, ups and downs, crazy steep, and going back, um, I wanted to, to hitchhike, I wanted to, uh, it was just two kilometers, but these two kilometers would take you two hours, you know, on the bicycle, mm. <laughs> really, you would have to push it most yeah. of the time, so I just wanted to, to put my bicycle on the pickup, and uh, uh, I said with the guy in the pickup, and in certain point uh, he started to hit on me. Uh, he asked, uh, "Qué significa besame?" And in English, which is what doesn't mean kiss, kiss me in English. Yeah. And I was like, uh, "I don't know," and just play stupid. It was just like ten minutes, you know. Uh, and then he out of the sudden just put his uh, hand on my crotch uh, and I just started to, to, to I said stop immediately and then he said no and he's driving he's driving you know mm. he said no and so I just started to go off you know I'm like fuck that you know I can jump, uh, jump off the car it's, uh, the, the road was very rough so yeah then he stopped and then he he didn't want to give me my bike back then he wanted to to take money from me and then he wanted mm. uh, also uh, when I didn't want to give him money he want, started to try to touch me you know and like I was really freaked out also it uh, it took some time you know um is there other traffic no nothing <sighs> middle of nowhere you know yeah. And then uh, in the end, I I gave him some really small money, but for the, the Guatemala it was robbery anyway. Uh, but I gave him some small money so just the guy would go fuck off. And I he then he wanted more money, but then I started to swear at him and say like, "Fuck you, <laughs> I will not give you anything more and stuff like this." Yeah, and I think because I'm pretty big myself. I was going to uh, say, you're probably bigger than him, right? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm 181 uh, centimeters, centimeters, which is I like 510 probably. I, I have no idea. In, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm tall person and I'm pretty strong and I'm bold as fuck. So in this situation, <laughs> I was, you know. Bold as fuck, right? I was just screaming on this guy instead of, oh, don't hurt yeah. me, don't hurt me. Did you have the pepper spray then? Yeah, I had a pepper spray, uh, but I thought like, okay, if I spray him, what will I do? I'm still on my fucking bicycle. Mm, I right. that, 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 I'm like, I can... 
just run into the bushes and lose all my property. Yeah. Uh, I could steal his car, but this is the genius then idea that uh, that didn't appear to my mind screaming right. on the guy. Well, but then maybe he says you stole his car <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. you have police to deal yeah. with. You yeah. don't want that. Anyway, uh -huh. uh, I, I say like, okay, if the guy really tries to do something wrong to me, I uh, I spray him, but I will scream on him and negotiate in that way until... Uh, until I I can you know uh, so after this I was really like thinking okay what can I do to to make myself safe and I actually I I, uh, I checked some option and actually pepper sprays the safest uh, the easiest to always have with you being super small and stuff like this and this happens you know these situations happens once a year or something like this or uh, like th that series happened to me twice in two and a half year traveling together uh, all together and uh, I had maybe four situations when just guy touched me on my ass or on my crotch or on my boobs or whatever uh, out of the sudden on the street or whatever um, uh, or talking to me in the middle uh, of conversation and it was it's extremely unpleasant and still nothing worse happened so I I feel like like okay i'm a woman and uh, traveling alone of course uh, takes some risk but i don't want to resign from my uh, from my passion yeah. just because i'm a woman you know right so so i just take some precautions and if shit happens then i'm just bold as fuck <laughs> and yeah. Uh, and yeah try to avoid worse situations um, about being cropped, I've never been uh, robbed. Um, once, I guess, in Colombia, I was pickpocket, but it was not even on this long-term trip. On this long-term trip, I was not. Uh, nothing got stolen, neither on, from bicycle or from uh, from uh, a motorbike. And sometimes, I don't know, in Pakistan, I would leave my all my belongings, including camera that you just unzip it. You know, I left it on the street and went shopping and stuff like this. Nothing happened, you know. Mm. In Pakistan, people were extremely, extremely friendly and helpful. Mm. And um, this country has its problems, uh, but about people, they like if you would like to travel on really bad, a uh, really low budget, you could just stay in people's houses and being fed every day, mm. which is of course not fair because I have money and I prefer to leave some money in the country sure. uh, rather than use hospitality. But they they were they were really amazing there, you know. Yeah. Always, I had billion of contact of people who would ask me if I need help, call mm. me or stuff like this and. Even uh, they would invite you to to their house in like second sentence. They say you after hello, you know. So, so I wonder if if the experience would 
have been as positive for a man traveling alone? Because I imagine people, good people who see a woman traveling alone, they want to help a lot. I mean, you know, I've traveled alone a lot and people have been very kind to me. But I think if somebody sees a woman traveling alone, they admire you. They know you're vulnerable. They yeah. want to help you. You know, and I think this is that uh, this is it that it comes with bigger risk and bigger profit. That's so, it. Yeah. So, because they 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 see you and they really want to help you. You know, and I think that um, like the more like difficult path you take in traveling, like some people just walk through continents. I have friends who yeah. walked from Panama to Canada yeah. uh, with, uh, um, uh, how is it called? You carry the the kit on it, like a oh, trolley. like a wagon or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. a trolley. Yeah, right. With their instead of a backpack, they yeah, put things yeah. on wheels. Yeah. They just push it down they, the road. They really? pushed it really? to, from Panama to Canada. Wow. And uh, so, the, the, the more uh, the slower way you travel, uh, and the least you use. Uh, buses and companies then you're gonna get more people uh, mm. more more contact with people and they're gonna help you right. you know right. and of course if they see a woman uh, and it works also that way that they are not afraid of women right i remember that when i was hitchhiking brazil i felt like okay they will always stop to me because i'm this uh, tall blonde girl but also they told me like i wouldn't stop for a guy because i would be afraid sure so that makes sense yeah yeah and also women very often as a man traveling women local women don't make contact with you Mm. but as a woman i imagine women yeah you're a woman so you have some that's half of the population that for me sort of is invisible (laughs) or not i see them but they don't see me uh, like in India, for example, you know, I never have yeah. a contact, or Pakistan, you would never yeah. have a and contact. Yeah, and it's interesting because in Pakistan, and uh, they they separate men and women uh, between each other. Like uh, women hang around with women, and men hang around with men. But when I visit, uh, when I would visit them, they would first take me to men, and then I would talk with men, sit with them and stuff like this. And they would say like, oh, then meet my wife and mother, and then I would go to women. So I would, I, it's really special treatment, and you get to know this both right. sides, you yeah. know? Yeah. And when you stay with guys, there's not a single woman there, you know? Yeah. Sometimes they bring food, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So it's yeah. it's really strange, but it's it's really really nice, you know. Yeah, it's fantastic. You get to see a lot more than than I did in those situations. I've always you were talking about how hospitable people are in Pakistan. Uh, I've never been to Pakistan, but I have some friends who've traveled there, and also in Afghanistan before all the mm-hmm. wars. Mm-hmm. And they always said Afghanistan was the best place. The people were the most accepting and generous and kind and you always were invited to their house and 
it's such a tragedy these yes these yes. beautiful places have to suffer so much yeah. for some reason now pakistan opens a lot and mm. they really really want to to uh, open up for tourism they they made uh, visa application easier and oh, stuff really? like this now you yeah. can get a visa for pakistan and still i remember that for overlanders at least um my uh, uh, my friends uh, came to uh, came to pakistan about a month after us and they said there were five entries in the book between our <laughs> names on the land border you know wow. so uh, uh, and uh, for foreign vehicles and that's coming in from iran yes yeah so like really little uh, there are, uh, there's really a lot of local tourists uh, pakistanis are very proud of their country and the country is absolutely beautiful especially the north the mountains are stunning and yeah and tourists are treated like gods there it's mm. it's incredible it's even like really absurd and uh, and also, I think after some time, you are even getting tired of it, you know, because <laughs> you are like, I want to be alone as well, you uh, know, and yeah. you can't escape of these people. And they are so sweet, you know, but sometimes you are like, please, I want to be alone for a moment, you yeah. know. So it's 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 funny at the beginning, there there was huge interest and they also... Uh, they have different uh, personal space. They don't have that much sense of privacy. So, you know, I entered there and uh, when I started to, to uh, write alone, I would stop to buy some water. It was horribly hot. It was like 48 degrees Celsius, mm. which is, I don't know, in Fahrenheit. 120 something. Probably. Yeah, it was like I was... I was just dying, putting water all over myself, you know, just to survive. And yeah, when I would stop to buy water, there would be a crowd gathering around me, like 50 people, and they would stand there and stare at me as long as I'm there. And they were super sweet, you know, they would smile, they would uh, some more courageous one they would ask some questions and um, uh, I was like I'm attention seeker as well I love attention so it was uh, I, I didn't mind it at all and you know they wanted to make photos of me I was I wanted to make photos of them it was uh, perfect you know and I didn't mind the situations at all um, but then there, the, uh, when we uh, came back together with Roman, we met in Karakoram and we would like to camp somewhere. And then, you know, you have diarrhea, you have to shit somewhere yeah. in the bushes or you, you uh, want to take a shower uh, and you have to do this outside and there's a small crowd of people staring at you. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, please. Yeah. So they don't have this sense of privacy and it uh, brings a lot of confusion. Uh, so, yeah, this is for me, this fascinating country. And I think uh, 
80% of my best travel stories come from really? Pakistan. Yeah, mm. it's really awesome. But it's obviously at the moment place for people who seek more adventure than a relax in yeah. a five-star hotel. <laughs> did, did you ever manage to take a shit in front of a crowd? No. No? <laughs> That's a very advanced I, skill. <laughs> I did shit in front of people on Rainbow Festival. There uh. are these hippie festivals <laughs> and uh, they build like pit holes. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, they, they, it's really fascinating uh, uh, festivals. They, they are like... Tens, uh, ten or twenty or thirty thousand of people there, and there is uh, no uh, people who really organize it. There are people who volunteer every day. Somebody different might volunteer, you know. And if they see that something needs to be done, they just do this. And this is really crazy. No alcohol. And it's, uh, yeah, this is this very hippie event, a lot of spiritual stuff, not for everybody. Uh, yeah, but there, there was this, it was like huge meadow and they would beat, uh, uh, dig these pit holes. And they were like, yeah, brother, just shit here, no problem, you know? <laughs> 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 just put some ashes on it later. So yeah, I I got this experience, but it was in different circumstances yeah. than you know. <laughs> I think I think probably the most memorable. Well, I've had a lot of memorable shits over the years, but, <laughs> but in terms of like un, being uncomfortable, was not in front of people. It was on this, uh, this long bus ride. I, I think it was Indonesia, but I'm not sure. But maybe Sumatra but I remember this was a long bus ride and the bus stops you know for okay now we stop for half an hour and you get some food and you take a piss or whatever and there was this long line of like this long building with all these doors and uh, like two steps up and doors everywhere and those are all toilets right uh-huh. and so they're typical squat toilets yeah. so I go and I and I'm squatting there and I I hear this noise coming from the toilet, this like, and I look down and there are all these pigs <gasps> under, ah! and they're just waiting. They're what? looking up, and they're like maybe a meter below the toilet. I could I could feel their breath on my ass. Oh, yeah, and they've got shit on their faces, and they're just like, ah, come on, give it to me. Oh, oh, oh that's crazy. Yeah, that that's was hard. Crazy. <laughs> this is funny when uh, when uh, people who traveled a lot meet there's always always shit, out shit always. coming yeah it's so funny I mean the first time I was in India like in the 80s before you were born probably I remember like at breakfast with people you don't even know and they're like so how's your shit is there like is it a little green because I have all this green stuff I'm not sure (laughs) you just lose that yeah immediately it's yeah yeah, especially in a place like India or Pakistan where it's like it's no big deal people are shitting you know I remember a woman in in Rajasthan I was walking and I just had a bang lassi so I was kind of high you know, it's this marijuana yeah. lassie thing. I was kind of high, and she was sitting. She was like squatting on the side of this dirt road, shitting. Uh-huh. And she saw me, and she just smiled, like, <laughs> totally relaxed. You know, 
And I was like, wow, this woman's so relaxed. And I just like basically walked into her bathroom. And and as I walked by, she's still smiling. And then she reaches out her hand like, and I thought she wanted me to help her up. So I took her hand and pulled her. She's like, no, no. She was asking me for some money. <laughs> like, wow. oh, man, what a country. They built a lot of toilets recently in India. Yeah. So I, I guess they started to... Sp- uh, I, I talked with some Indian people and they said like, this is a bit shit, talki- shit topic to talk about, but yeah. they had to start to talk about the toilets yeah. because... Um, yeah just this is hygiene you know yeah. and uh, yeah so so as far as i know they improved quite a mm. lot I mean, a lot this... of the cows were eating it yeah you know the yeah. sacred cows were just going around <laughs> eating shit yeah yeah i don't know it's it's i didn't mean to get us into the shit talk too. yeah <laughs> i had a similar uh, um like reflection about uh, Guatemala or uh, I remember like people often don't have any toilets there but what they usually have they would have like four sticks outside with some small uh, like curtain around so Mm. they could uh, take shower I mean like bucket rather than shower right and uh, so when I was cycling there, I uh, what I would usually do, I would uh, try to stay overnight in some village to be able to ask some people if I can bucket myself uh, somewhere, you know. <laughs> and uh, once I remember, uh, uh, I asked in smaller restaurant when I where I ate uh, if if they could uh, give me some place where I could wash myself and they said like yeah 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 here you have big bucket here, uh, small bucket and uh, and you can wash yourself and I'm like hey but uh, but where should I go with it and they didn't really know what am I asking about and then I noticed this woman who ha- had his had scared up uh, over her tits mm. and she would wash herself next to the buildings mm. uh, under the skirt right and i was like this is really strange because it requires no resources to put four sticks and create some private space yeah and uh, uh, and she was it was not like a society where being naked is fine right. so she was covering and this scared right. in this uncomfortable situation and i was like why why yeah i see that in thailand too people uh women especially uh-huh. washing themselves by the river with uh clothing on yeah, the whole time yeah 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 strange people's habits are very strange mm-hmm. i mean being in asia thailand with these little squirt things are fantastic by the toilets oh uh, yeah yeah and yeah you think about i don't know what poland's like but in the u.s with all the paper everywhere it's like cutting down millions of trees it's ridiculous yeah. but this is like uh, this is i i absolutely love it That's you know perfect. this is like yeah. And you are so clean, you for know. For people don't know what we're talking about, it's like those little, little nozzles that they used to like have. Like a gun, for it's called bad gun. Uh, and they in the U.S. they had them for cleaning dishes. Ah, okay. So often you would have in the kitchen uh, yeah. sink, you have one for spraying your dishes. You know, 
But just imagine spraying your ass instead of your dishes. <laughs> <laughs> so what's happening now? You're in Thailand. I know you're you're making a trip back to Poland to see your friend, and then you're going to come back. Yeah. And are you continuing the trip, or is this? The, yeah, I'm I, I gonna uh, um, I'm gonna go for sure Cambodia, Laos, uh, and maybe Vietnam because uh, earlier um, it was very expensive you would need a guide over there wow. all the time if you travel it's kind of funny that many countries they have no problem if tourists come to the country by plane and then rent a car and then travel around but if you come with your own vehicle they uh, force you to use an agency and travel with a guide over t uh, all the time it works like this in myanmar and it works like this in china and uh, uh, and as far as I knew in uh, uh, in Vietnam as well, but I just read yesterday that they might change something at mm. now it might be open, so then I would go to Vietnam as well. And then yeah, will and you go then, with your your friend in the van and all that? Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. And then uh, then we would go back to Thailand and drive further south and then we kind of don't know uh, how to uh, deal with money stuff because Roman uh, is not in this uh, comfortable situation as me he needs to come back to Austria to to earn some money so we uh, we still don't know. Probably I will uh, come back with him for some time. Maybe I uh, I stay a bit longer and then come back a bit earlier. But but uh, probably there will be this additional trip to uh, Austria required. And then again, like with with a motorbike alone, I would go towards Australia and then from Australia to Latin America Jesus. again. But it's. You know, for me, it's just easy. You know, I have this money so I can just travel as long as I have fun. As yeah. In the one moment when I don't have fun, I can decide like, okay, I will stop now. Yeah. So... Um, do you put the bike on, on an airplane or how do you get uh, it? So you can either ship it by, uh, uh, by sea or by air. And we've, uh, since I met Roman, things got complicated because we've, uh, with a van is... Uh, just more expensive so now we are not sure about australia at all because uh, shipping the van there is very expensive mm. and for me it's very difficult to work from there because i i always want to have some hours when uh, uh, I can uh, I can be online in same time as uh, my colleagues in Germany. Ah, I see. Right. Uh, so at least three four hours a day, so we could communicate, and there wouldn't be this twenty four mm. hours lag right. in communication. And here, Australia is complicated because uh, there's this uh, eleven twelve hours uh, difference, and for me, working from nine p.m. to midnight, for example, is like. I, my brain just doesn't work that mm. time, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. so maybe you have to get up at five in the morning. No, but five in the morning, they, they finish Oh, they finished work. already. Oh, yeah, oh, so this okay. is... The, actually, working from from Latin America was pretty much perfect because I would start to work 
at uh, at 5 a.m., which is pretty crazy. But after at 1 p.m., I would be done with work. Right. And then I had a half day and, uh, you know, we get to waste morning. At least I get to waste all the morning doing nothing and hanging yeah. around and stuff like this. But afternoons you, you can go and explore and do some fun stuff. Right. Uh, so actually my, my feeling was that I work, was working three days a week. But only half a day, you know, right. because half a day I could uh, could yeah. do something. So it was perfect. I can't wait to be back there on this mode. It was really <laughs> cool. Good time zone. So just to 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 end this, uh, people are listening to this, and I know a lot of people are thinking, um, "Yeah, I'd love to live like that. I'd love to take time and do these things, but it's impossible. I don't have enough money and." All these things, the same things that you were thinking uh-huh. initially. Um, what do you, could you do this? Uh, well, this is not a good question because I was going to say, could you do this if you didn't have this remote work? Of course you could. Oh, I'm like, uh, uh, lots of people do. Yeah, I'm like my first when I started my first trip, I had uh, uh, I had maybe. Uh, 1,300 euro on my account Mm. of what I gathered being student, you know, uh, and uh, and I just tried not to spend money. It's different kind of traveling, you know, Uh, but uh, I traveled, uh, I had a plan to travel for one year. I traveled three months because I met this guy and fall in love and this is, you know, <laughs> That'll ruin a trip every time. It, uh, of course, <laughs> ruined my trip, <laughs> but it opened new possibilities. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, like my first decision, I took uh, without really having any money, and I now I spent quite a lot of money because I have this comfort, you know. Right. But if I wouldn't have this comfort, I would just travel cheaper. Right. And uh, of course, it depends on what you want and what level of comfort you need and mm-hmm. stuff like this. Like now, I, uh, since I started to travel on motorbike, I spent much more, more money. Uh, when I traveled uh, on bicycle, I was saving a lot of money, actually, because uh, my costs were so small i would uh, were you camping or? i was uh, during uh, during my working days i was staying in hostels mm. and during my days off i would uh, uh, i would usually camp uh, because i was staying in such a small places that there was nothing so i would camp on uh, next to some restaurants, churches, police stations, right. and stuff like this. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, if you think of like the the cost of your living uh, back in home, you have you have to pay a rent and stuff like this. You know, if I I I counted uh, that, like divided my rent for per thirty days, I was spending like fifteen dollars a day for just for accommodation. And when I was uh, traveling and living in hostels, I was spending $6, but only these three days a week when I was working, and other days I was not spending anything on Mm. accommodation. So actually I was spending $15 a week, not a day, just for accommodation. And then the food is cheaper, and like, so 
like if you if you need an amazing hotel with a big uh, swimming pool and uh, people running around you with room service then of course you're going to spend money but there are cheaper way of traveling yeah. and uh, and also like now i really like that i don't have to travel on that small budget because then you rely on people giving you stuff right and you don't have anything to give back and this is uh, like this might feel okay when you are 20 but mm. uh, now and it it's amazing experience and people are happy to give you stuff but now when i get things from people who have really nothing you know i feel like I feel grateful, of course, and I. But I don't want to overuse it. You know, it's nice mm. when somebody helps me when I have some fuck up situation, uh, when I'm in the middle of nowhere, and they offer me a place to stay where it's safe and stuff like this. That I love it, but I, it's not like I want to spend in some stay in somebody's homes every day and eat their food and stuff like this. Yeah, I, I understand that feeling. I I felt when I was young that the world and, and strangers gave me so much. And yeah. it got to a point where I felt like uh, now I need to be giving back. Yeah. But yeah. there are many ways to do that. Like, for example, you started by letting someone come and stay on your sofa. That's, yeah. That yeah. was you giving. Yeah. Uh, but it changed your life. So maybe... People who are listening to this thinking that they'd like to maybe live this way or, or get a taste of this, maybe a good thing to do is sign up for a couch surfing at your own place and let travelers come and stay with you Yeah, and because I, you'll learn so much from them. Yeah, and I also thought that like uh, uh, for me it started that way that uh, I thought like okay i used couch surfing while traveling so now i have to have this sad responsibility to give it back you know <laughs> but actually what i learned it's like it's really cool it's like traveling without moving your ass That's because it, there yeah. are these people uh, from different cultures coming to you with their uh, different uh, experiences different stuff and you can get to choose people uh, who who will be interesting also for you? You know, mm. I I I was not hosting anybody who right. uh, who would uh, ask for it because I was also when I was very active I would get shit ton of requests. So then I was just hosting really people I want to meet, and sure. I met amazing people, right. and some of them are still my friends yeah. uh, until today. So it's really so even cool. if you can't leave, you can open up your home, yeah. and, and you can get that feeling of travel and learn yeah. about the world. And it's yeah. still like, I think it's also important to know that it's not like you can't leave, it's, um, it's just you have things that are more important for you that make you stay at home. So like, for example, you have kids. So it's not like you can leave anytime, but you just prefer to stay with your kids. Sure. So this is yeah. also worth to remember. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for doing this. You came, you drove two hours to come here today. I really appreciate that. It's You're very, welcome. Very kind of you. Uh, your website, your um, Instagram feed. Yeah, I have. You have beautiful photos. Uh, I, thank you. Very, very nice photos. 
I have uh, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, it's called Just a Journey. On, on Instagram, Just a Journey blog. On Facebook, just, just a Journey. Just a Journey or Just a Journey blog on Instagram. Check her out, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Sophia. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation, everybody. Um, don't forget that you can order T-shirts, beer cozies, stickers, books, all sorts of stuff on the website from my mom, who you're going to hear from in a minute. We've got also I'm sitting in the garage, actually. I'm surrounded by boxes of civilized to death shirts, uh, bonobo shirts, tangentially reading books. Uh, I'm just looking around here. There's just stuff stacked up all over the place. So if you want to make my mom happy and you know you do, uh, order some of that stuff so she can get it out of the garage. A lot of the shirts are on special. The ones that aren't selling as well are on special. Some of them are like deep special, like five bucks, basically just pay postage and get it out of here. Um, they're tangentially speaking shirts. There's a whole series of Shirts of me waving from the van. It says Vanthropology, and some of them got misprinted. So I'm black instead of white, which has always been my dream, as you know. Um, I think Lou Reed has a song called I Want to Be Black. Uh, but any, in any case, those are here. I think those are, are basically pay postage, and you can have them because they're weird. I, I, I can't really sell those, right? Um, also, for those of you, a special thanks. I keep thinking I want to thank you by name, and I, I end up rambling on, and I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, I'll get to it one of these weeks, but th those of you who are sponsoring the pod or supporting the podcast through my webpage. Uh, it's fantastic. I, I see them come in and it's great. Two bucks, five bucks, 10 bucks, 15 bucks, whatever feels right to you. It uh, finances the podcast, keeps this thing rolling, puts diesel in the van and, um, I just uh, upgraded the electrical system in the van, put a, a second solar panel and some lithium-ion batteries um, rather than the, the old deep cells that I destroyed last summer. Um, so all that happens because of people like you who support the podcast and keep this thing rolling. So very, very grateful to you. Um, and if you do... Uh, support the podcast through my new website, uh, thatchrisryan.com or tangentiallyspeaking.com or chrisryanphd.com. It's all the same place. Um, you get access to the eBooks that we put together from the, um, some of the selected episodes of the podcast. We just put one together about sexuality. Um, it's called, I think it's tangentially talking sex with Chris Ryan. You can get it on Amazon for five bucks, or if you're a sponsor of the podcast, a supporter of the podcast, you get it for free. So that's kind of a no brainer unless you want to spend five bucks on Amazon. But if not, uh, I mean, honestly, there's nothing stopping you from signing up. Uh, as a supporter of the podcast for two bucks, downloading all the ebooks and then canceling, I, you know, if, if you need to do it that way, I guess you can, uh, sort of an honor system here. So anyway, all that stuff is there. If you support the podcast through my new website, 
Um, those of you who support the podcast through Patreon, I continue to love you. Uh, and I appreciate what you're doing as well. Um, the reason I switched over is, as you know, Patreon has a habit of, of deplatforming people without really giving them uh, much of a notice or, or appeal or, um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting platform, but, uh, I think it's better to just transition over to an independent system. So that's what we're doing. Okay, I've been talking a lot. The real reason I came back to say goodbye to you is that I remembered that just after I recorded this podcast, Sophia sat down and recorded another podcast with Anya Katz on, uh, for her podcast called uh, Millennial's Guide to Saving the World. <clears throat> so if you enjoyed this conversation with Sophia and you'd like to hear more from her, particularly um, from a more woman's perspective, um, check out Anya Katz's podcast, A Millennial's Guide to Saving the World. And check it out anyway. It's a great podcast. She has some really interesting folks on there. And she gets she gets into a lot of the stuff I talked about. I was ranting about at the beginning of this episode, the despair, the the unique historical situation that we find ourselves in. But, you know, if you're 30, you're a millennial, right? So you're, what, between 25 and 40 or something like that. Um, you're just getting to the party and this shit's happening. Uh, that's got to be especially hard. You know, I can look at it and say, well, I had my fun. I, I snorkeled on coral reefs before they all died. That's something very sad about that, but... On the other hand, it's like, well, you know, I'm 58. You can't take that from me. I've already spent that. Um, but if you're 30, that's a different kind of perspective. So uh, if you'd like to tune in to somebody coming at it from, uh, from that angle, I highly recommend her podcast, A Millennial's Guide to Saving the World. Okay, now I'm going to turn it over to my mom and Carsey Blanton. Bye. Okay, Mom, uh, tell people what they can order from the garage. Okay, in our cottage garage, we have lots and lots of T-shirts. Sex at Dawn, Civilized to Death, Vanthropology, Tangentially Speaking, Paleo Modern, and Talking Out of My Ass. <laughs> she didn't like saying that last one. Then we now have some new things added. We've got beer cozies or koozies or whatever they're called. Oh, civilized to death. Design. They're all civilized That's right. to death. We have stickers and car decals, right? Yes. Okay. There you have it. That's Julie, my mom. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm going to die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to meet an expectation, wondering what they're going to say. When everyone you've ever known is headed for a headstone, I don't want to give the end away, but we're going to die.
to the ground. 